Hello, members, friends, and neighbors of Peace Lutheran Church to episode, welcome to episode nine of uh, Together in the Word on Pioneer and Third, which is our weekly podcast to discuss the upcoming gospel for Sunday. I am grateful to my guests today for joining me. Uh, today, we have the privilege of speaking with the dynamic duo Nancy Armstrong and Barb King, two uh, pillars of our community, uh, and I'm I'm grateful for your willingness to be on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. And see, you see, they respond in unison. It's it's like it's like one mind. <laughs> Thanks, ladies, for being here today. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, your your life, uh, your connection to Peace Lutheran Church, your friendship? Of course. Um, I'll start. Leo and I have been here, uh, it'll be 58 years this summer. Uh, came as newlyweds, more or less. We've been, married, we've been married a year, and Leo got a teaching degree, and I was hired at the superintendent's office and as the secretary and so uh, we began we went to the closest Lutheran church uh, that was to our home and it happened to be Peace Lutheran Church so um, at that point that was our beginning I was raised Lutheran Leo was raised Episcopalian so um, Lutheran's been part of our life forever Um, our connection to peace We've always felt that if we were someplace, we should be involved and not just sitters in the pew. And um, so that's kind of what happened. Uh, our family started in our with our two girls, and they were baptized and confirmed and um, on to be married in their own families now. And we're, we're still blessed that they are Christians and involved their families, too, with the, the love of the Lord. So... Um, Barb can tell you a little bit of her background. Okay. Um, I was uh, born in Seattle but raised in a small community up north, Arlington. Um, I came to Puyallup in 1957, uh, freshly graduated teacher and taught at Puyallup High School. Uh, I was married um, during this early days. And um, I was not raised in the church, Lutheran or otherwise, but I did attend the Lutheran Sunday School with the neighbor kids when I was little. Um, Jim, my husband at that time, was raised Lutheran. And after our children arrived, uh, we decided to join Peace Lutheran Church. Jim and Leo taught together, and that's how Nancy and I first met. Um, I have been divorced for, oh dear, uh, 38 years, and uh, the church has been my support. The people of peace have been my support system, uh, which I appreciate greatly. Um, My kids uh, grew up at peace, Sunday school, confirmed, married from the church, Three of my four grandsons were baptized at peace. The fourth one got away to the other grandma and was baptized in Minnesota. Uh, peace is uh, so important to me, and right now, in this situation we're in, even more so. 
and Thank Welka you. is uh, Welka is uh, a whole other story. Yeah, right. <laughs> we started out really big, following in foot tracks, footprints of ladies before us, and um, we continue to hold on as long as we can, and and have been involved on the synod level as well as local, and it's an important arm of. Uh, the Lutheran heritage and all that the women have offered over the years and been a part of and continue to be in different ways, obviously, but still um, it's important to each one of us that we do have that connection with Bible studies and retreats and able to do outreach programs and the Lutheran World Relief Program with the quilts and um thank offering and all those things that are still important that have gone on for several hundred years now. Thank you. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen all sorts of changes in the, in the congregation and in the church. And, and what we're experiencing now is going to bring even more changes. Absolutely. I believe. That's for certain. Thank you. By the way, WELCA stands for Women of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is a denominational organization of women, but it also has local chapters of uh, women's groups and, and with various names, circles or ladies aid or uh, WELCA, women who gather for Bible study, for service, for fundraising, for the ministries of the church, for quilting, a variety of other uh, activities to live out their faith. And and the Welka group in our congregation may seem small um, by comparison to maybe what it formerly was, but it's actually a, a mighty group, uh, regularly meeting, faithfully meeting. And of course, quilting ministry is, is a formidable ministry in our congregation, even though our congregation is small. So Welka is to be commended for your faithfulness. Thanks for being a part of that. Well, it's, it's part of our family's um, heritage growing up, church family, as well as very close to my heart. I was president of the of the women local, and so much comes out of that that I don't think people realize, and it, it goes on, and that's a blessing that's been given to us. And during these last few weeks and getting into months now, as we've talked with some of the ladies uh, that normally meet together uh, as uh, for Bible study and as the ladies' aid, they are missing uh, that connection a great deal, and we're trying to keep it going by phone, of course. Thank you. That, it's critically important. What a what a strange time for communities that rely on physical gathering to uh, uphold our connections, to give our lives uh, meaning, purpose, to enrich our our lives that we can't physically gather, uh, and yet somehow we still feel connected to each other. And, and so I'm grateful for the ways in which Welka in particular, but but all the ministries of our church have stayed in contact through phone and through internet connections and, and other other ministries that are, you know, obviously we, we can't do them the way we used to, but but we're still trying to kind of be creative and, and at, at the very least stay connected to each other. Thank you both, by the way, for the ways that you've reached out to people in our congregation. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. 
I've been asking a series of questions to my guests, and, and the first two relate to this time in which we find ourselves. I know we're all probably getting weary of talking about COVID-19 and the outbreak, but there's a way in which talking about it can also kind of help us put it into perspective. The first thing I'm curious about for the two of you is how are you coping uh, individually as, as human beings? What's getting you through? Well, I'm blessed to have a partner, uh, Leo, and uh, so I'm not completely alone. And he, you know, you know, if you know Leo, he loves to eat, and so we have meals as usual. And uh, <laughs> I still go grocery shopping once a week, and I just go early and mask up. And um, our, we have we've been doing work in our yard, and and um, I have the blessings of our family, girls that call. Paula, of course, all of you know Paula and Daniel, and Danny Joe, and uh, and then our daughter Lori, and I hear from her and her family. Uh, my grandkids and great grandkids are just wonderful. Edward calls me from Camp Pendleton because he's in the Marines, and and so um, you know we've been blessed. I it is hard, but it's not devastating to our family anyway. Good. I'm glad to hear. What about you, Barb? Well, um, as I said, uh, I, I have been alone, you might call it, for lived alone for over 30 years now. But this situation is different than just living alone. Um, I uh, have a son who is just very adamant that I am not to go anywhere because I'm in the vulnerable age group and health-wise, some of those issues. So I have basically been staying home. Uh, Nancy's been my shopper. She brings my groceries. And, um, and her chauffeur. Yeah. I take her for rides. She takes me out so I get to see the countryside. But also, um, it is important that... Uh, you have been uh, holding us together as a congregation. I am so thankful that my kids bought me an iPad last Christmas and so that I can be at worship, be at evening prayer. Um, uh, and, of course, uh, uh, my son had, came down a, a week ago to start my car because my battery was dead because I haven't driven it. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law were here a week ago. And uh, uh, I keep in touch with college friends. I keep in touch with church friends. And thank goodness for the opportunity to to talk to people because I have been staying home. Thank you. One of my favorite uh, things that's happened, by the way, on uh, our online ministry is there's you know in the in the comments people tend to to chat with each other here and there and. Barb, you have a special connection with Connor and Linnea, and and they miss you. And anytime they see you on online, any kind of online worship, they try to reach out and and say hello to you, and you say hi back. That just warms my heart. Well, and I do have a connection with um, that that wondrous young man, Kellen. We are pen pals. We are communicating by mail. Awesome. It's, un- it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, that's another thing about peace that we should all be 
so grateful for because we are a family. Uh, the little ones, the older ones uh, are together now even. Well, that, that's really helpful to hear. I'm, I'm glad for those connections, and, and it speaks to the long heritage of our congregation as being a, a place of welcome and belonging. So thanks for reaffirming that for me. The second question I've been asking guests uh, is sort of a broader question about the COVID-19 outbreak and how it might uh, impact our communities, our lives in the, in the sort of in the near and the distant future both. Well, if you if you could describe your hopes for how we might emerge from this crisis, and I think it is a crisis in a lot of ways, uh, if you had your way and you could sort of uh, make your dream come true for our community, our congregation, our society, what would that look like? <laughs> well, I'm hopefully and prayerfully uh, thinking of um, that we will continue to use the wake-up call, so to speak, that's been happening with um, just that we're caring more about day-by-day, minute-by-minute things that are happening, as well as um, being more um, able to take care of ourselves on a, um, oh, I don't know how you would put that, um, anyway, washing your hands more, being uh, more respectful of things that are going on around you, um, caring, uh, not just passing by and and that kind of thing. Um, and hopefully that will continue that we won't go back to, you know, it's my world and everybody else's can go by the by. Um, I find that when I'm out... Um, even walking in our where we live in the mobile home park we have 265 units in there and how much more caring the neighbors have become rather than just going off in their car uh, on their own way and i'm hoping that will continue prayerfully that it's a wake-up call Um, and then of course that would snowball onto our world and and everywhere else that is that they are learning as much as we are learning that we need each other and need to be mindful of all those needs that people have. Beautiful. Thank you. What about you, Barb? Well, um, I I probably could second some of that. I I am seeing uh, a great deal of concern that people have for each other, and, uh, and they're expressing that now more so and whether that will continue is a good question i am somewhat concerned with uh the reaction of those who uh don't think that this is as serious as i believe it is and are hoping that things will go back to what they were quickly i don't believe that is going to happen i'm hoping that we are listening to the medical advice that we're getting and uh, that we are more careful and more considerate. And uh, I don't think we're ever going to be back to what we were. Uh, I th- And I've read in different instances that we are 10 years ahead of what we might have expected uh, as far as working from home and 
shopping from home and education is going to be different and all of those things. We need to be prepared for a lot of differences and we need to be taking care of each other more than we ever have. Sounds like a preacher, don't I? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, you're you're spot on from where I sit. So thank you yeah. for for acknowledging that. I think you're 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 both you both put your finger on some things that we really need to be considering. Which is, you know, how how is this how is this interim time going to permanently change our society? And in what ways can we respond with love and care given those permanent changes? I I just think that's that's right at the heart of the matter for us. I mean, I don't know. Crisis, crisis has a way of, of of either bringing out the worst, I think, in people, or bringing out the best. And I'm and I'm maybe sometimes both, I suppose. And and I guess my prayer is that uh, this crisis would would bring out the best in us. Right, but some of that too. I don't want us to lose sight that we need to have the physical contact of seeing people and being a part of groups and going places and enjoying um, of course yeah we, we all want that society within ourselves where all you're going to do is sit inside of four walls and and that's not a good answer either oh um, that's true yeah the danger of withdrawal here. yeah you're right there's the there's yeah. the possibility that people will become less connected over time if if fear reigns supreme or something but yeah how can we re- how can we remain connected to each other while also acknowledging the differences that will be permanent that's a really good question yeah. And I find that um, with the teacher end of it, Leo being a teacher, and his final two years of teaching were one on, well, one on five, I guess. He did special reading and special math. And he said just to see the faces of those students when they finally got whatever it was that they were struggling with. And they lit up just like a, you know, light bulb. And if you're out, if you're in their four walls, you aren't seeing all that, even on, Facebook or iPads or whatever you're on, um, we still need that physical one-on-one. That you know, I don't know. That's I don't true. Know how else to put it, yep, that's true. Yeah, I think of all of the things we've been missing, I wonder how much that personal connection, that physical proximity, is making all the difference. Yeah, and that relates back to loneliness, to being alone, to of being. And the men, mental issues that are happening with people that already are struggling, um, you know, they don't need more isolation either. So we have to hit that happy medium, and that's going to take time, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's interesting that you bring up physical proximity and separation because, segue alert, uh the, the gospel for this coming Sunday, which is the, the other part of our conversation for today, okay. is, yes. is part of Jesus' famous farewell discourse in, in the gospel of John chapters 13 to 17, this extended goodbye that he uh, offers his disciples. And there are some beautiful, famous passages of scripture in the farewell discourse, but it's really important to set it in context because Jesus is saying goodbye. He is telling his disciples, you are not going to see me or know me in the way that you've known me previously because I am going to the cross, right? And so their their anxiety is a little bit like our anxiety. Uh, there's a, a near future that is largely unknown to them, filled with anxiety, frankly. 
Uh, and so Jesus' words are set in the context of this uncertainty and this anxiety, this, this um, crisis situation. And so I, I think it's really fitting that these passages from Jesus' farewell discourse are part of our uh, signed scripture for this time in Easter. So here's what I'll do. I'll read the scripture and then we'll just have some conversation around three basic questions that we use to study the Bible at peace. Does that sound good? Okay. Sounds great. All right. This is John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. John 14, 15 to 21. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Good. (laughs) That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. It's a little awkward, of course, because all of these lections from uh, John are are all lifted from a, an extended discourse, and so it sort of feels like Jesus should keep talking, or someone else should say something. And in fact, in, if you were to read the Gospel of John all the way through, they would. But we have to take them piece by piece, I guess, so that we don't bite off more than we can chew. Um, okay, so the first question that we use to study the Bible is very simple, uh, and it's simply to to take note of those those things that jump out at you from the text when you hear it. What, what is it that stands out to you when you hear this text? Well, the future, it's the present and the future are both there. Um, yes. At, or Jesus has been there and has done his, quote, you know, um, lifetime which was short and going on to be with our heavenly father and that's kind of what we are we are here we've been uh, blessed to be born and and become a christian and believe that we will do what our lifetime is and go live with the lord beautiful yeah there, there's a way in which jesus is speaking really profoundly to the incarnation uh, he, right. You know, he's he's not going to be around forever, but he has been. I think one of the interesting things that jumped out at me is is that he says, God will give you another advocate, another, uh, the, the Greek, word, right. Greek word is parakletos, which means one who comes alongside. God will give you another one to come alongside of you. But that's exactly what Jesus has been doing all along, right? Is Is coming alongside the disciples to teach them and give them hope. So he's he's headed off. I mean, it's it's not going to end well for him in the interim. But but we all know the end of the story. He's he's going to end up going and preparing a place for them in God's house, right? He says that at the beginning of chapter fourteen. So so they right. can follow him. They know they can trust that they will follow him wherever it is that he is going, even though they don't know the way. Thank you. Well, of course, a reminder, and in some some form, he says. Uh, uh, that he will be with us forever. 
There's always that reminder uh, in some some form he is telling the disciples and telling us again here that he will be with us forever. Beautiful. Yeah, he's. I mean, he says it really clearly in verse 18. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Uh, you're not going to be abandoned, right? I, I, I'm not going to be here in, in a physical sense. You know, I'm, it's not going to be the bodily Jesus of Nazareth, but I'm sending you... Uh, the Father is sending you another advocate, someone who's the Spirit who will make me known to you, make my presence known to you. Absolutely. Yeah, this promise that even now, we don't have to wait till the end of time to see Jesus again, that somehow through the Spirit, we're able to encounter Jesus and the Father, by the way, both Jesus and the Father in our midst, even though they're not visible to us anymore or tangible. Beautiful. Yeah, I have always... I've always believed that the Lord uh, sits on my shoulder uh, all the time. I, I've always felt that way, no matter where I am, that I can just, sometimes I'm not as receptive as I should be that he's sitting there, but, hmm. uh, you know, he still is there with me all the time, the presence of the Lord. That's a wonderful blessing. Um, it's I interesting. I mean, this, it's interesting that the promise of God's continued presence, uh, one, one commentator that I read this week pointed out that the, the promise of God's accompaniment or God's abiding with us often occurs at that time when it's most in question or, or hardest to see. Uh, so this moment where Jesus is saying, you know, I'm going to have to leave you. Um, I, you won't have me with you the way you always have. That's the moment that he is most likely or or uh, most interested in reassuring the disciples that they won't be left orphans, right? They won't be abandoned. God in Christ will continue to be with them precisely in that time when they might be wondering whether that's true the most. I thought it was interesting that that word, you just re- it said it again, the word orphan. Yeah. I thought it was an unusual, uh, he didn't say... Um, I won't leave you alone, uh, you'll have each other, any of that. But but the word orphan stood out to me as something unusual. I don't know why. Is it is it a term that people would have used when he, he's talking to the disciples, but he's talking to us too. Of course. Uh, uh, I, I never would have thought of myself as an orphan. Yeah, you've, you've sort of leaned into that second question that we ask uh, when we study the Bible, which is, what questions do you have about this text? And, and we don't ask questions yeah. necessarily to answer them. Sometimes the, the, the questions linger or maybe lead us to better questions. Yeah, that's a great question. What does Jesus mean when he says, I will not leave you orphaned? In other words, is Jesus kind of making himself out to be their parent in some way? Uh, I'm not going to abandon you. Uh, the only thing I can respond is is that in in um, chapter 13 just a chapter before in verse 33 he calls them little children little children i am with you only a little longer you will look for me and as i said uh where i am going you cannot come so that's a that's kind of a frightening thing to have your your leader your your rabbi your the one to whom you're looking for hope uh, say, I, I'm not going to be with you any longer. So that notion of being orphaned and being especially vulnerable, when we think of orphans uh, and widows, for that matter, in the scriptures, 
orphans and widows are kind of uh, representative of the most vulnerable, most marginalized people in a society in the biblical world. So yeah, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you marginalized. I'm not going to leave you vulnerable. Uh, That's a, so that's, you're right though. That's really symbolic language because Jesus isn't their parent, uh, so to speak. No. So yeah, but it's powerful. My translation says that I will give you another counselor. Ah, yes. You're, yeah, I'll give you another counselor. Yeah, that, that verse, um, verse 16, uh, I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor. So, so this is a feature that's unique to the gospel of John. John refers to the Holy Spirit as parakletos in Greek. Parakletos, which again means one who comes, the one who is called to come alongside. Uh, and and um, in the ancient Greek context, it refers to a defense attorney, someone who would be assigned to someone to defend them. Uh, but it has all these different translations. Parakletos is translated in the NRSV as advocate, but also as you said, what did you say, counselor or comforter? And my uh, my uh, my uh, use the word um, companion. Ah, lovely. Yeah, companion, advocate, counselor, helper, comforter. These are all words that get used to describe the Holy Spirit. So that's a good question. What's the best translation? I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's important that that word be really flexible and be able to mean different things at different times. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, 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 and that we and that we do, no matter what word we use, we are not alone. That's the most important part. Whether it's part. a companion or a counselor or uh, an attorney, an advocate, or whatever, somebody's there. Somebody is with us. Amen. And wouldn't that be the most important thing for the disciples to hear as as they are learning that Jesus is going to go to the cross? Yes. Or any any of us, as someone leaves us, that is dear to our heart. Uh, you know, to have that feeling in that uh, in your mind, that person, you are not going to be alone. You will miss me, but I will see you again. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In our tradition, we have some really specific ways that we think of the Spirit's work. Some people uh, think of the Holy Spirit as being uh, this animating force that causes people to speak in tongues or to become ecstatic or... Um, we don't really think of the spirit as often in those terms in the Lutheran tradition, but we are really clear about the spirit as the one who uh, facilitates the presence of God in Christ with us. So when we think about baptism, for instance, it is the spirit who acts to gather us to God in baptism, right? In and through the death and resurrection of Christ. In Holy Communion, we ask God to pour out God's spirit on the meal that it might become the true presence of Christ. So the spirit is the the one who makes Christ present to us in some way. And of course it's not a it's not the same way that the original disciples had the privilege of knowing Jesus in flesh and blood, you know, walking alongside him through Palestine. Uh, but it's 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 in another way somehow um the spirit is the one who uh 
makes God known to us in Christ. And that that's a mystery, right? We can't really explain how that works or why that works. And we've never explained, for instance, in Holy Communion, we've never gone out of our way to say, this is exactly how Jesus is really present in the meal. We just say, we trust that through the Spirit he is. Well, and the Spirit is such a better word than ghost. You know, we were raised with the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Ghost. And I'm thinking right there, ah. Oh yeah, as a child you you was that a little frightening to you? Yes, it was. Yeah. And I the spirit is so much more comforting and understandable yeah. to us. Well, it's interesting too because of course the word spirit relates to um the word uh breath in not only in the original languages but in English too if you think about it um to inspire to, to receive the spirit is to inspire or to respire uh, is, is a breath language. It's in, in Greek, the word for spirit inspire is pneuma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to mention that one. <laughs> but yes, the idea that the... Doctors use that a lot, expire. Of course, yeah, the, the spirit leaving you. Right now with what we're experiencing, uh, being alone or isolated, uh, I like the word that's in my translation, companion. Beautiful. Because I feel that, that there is somebody with me in my separateness, my isolation, my quarantine, whatever you want to call this situation we're in, that uh, the spirit is with us, but also uh, more as um, a comforter and a companion. There those words are, you see. Beautiful. We both have, we both have those words with us. Lovely. And I hope the Spirit is all those things, especially in a time when we need that reassurance the most. Can I read you a quote from um, a biblical scholar by the name of Craig Kester, who, who writes a little bit about this function of the Spirit to facilitate an encounter with God when we, when we might feel especially alone? Uh, he writes, Coming to faith is analogous to falling in love. Coming to faith is analogous to falling in love. One cannot fall in love in the abstract. Love comes through an encounter with another person. And so the spirit is the one who makes the living Christ's presence known to us. So in other words, the spirit, the spirit is that, that, that connection that one feels with another person that makes that person real to us. Uh, I, I love that. I think that's a wonderful way to think about how the Holy Spirit works. It is, definitely, yeah. Do you have any other Good. questions about this passage? Is there anything lingering for you? No. I think it's a wonderful one, a great reference one for people. Um, It's one of my favorites. So So you've now, Nancy, you've sort of leaned into that last question. Let's go there. Uh, The last question that we like to talk about, just to make sure that the Bible doesn't just remain sort of an academic exercise. We want to we want to know how the word becomes flesh in our lives. How does God's word speak to us at a at a deeper level to speak to the heart? So if you if you had to choose one thing that this text uh that you could take from this text for today, what would that one thing be? Well, the how it closes there um He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Beautiful. 
And I think that goes back to my little shoulder friend, that counselor, mm-hmm. companion mm-hmm. Uh, that's with me all the time. And she's looking at the, at the last verse, and I'm looking at the first one. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. Uh, that's enough for me right there, that that companion, he is with me now and will be with me forever. Beautiful. The in-between can be kind of important, but... Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. John has a way... uh, John is, you know, maybe the most philosophical of all the Gospels and has a way of... I mean, the the language is just very rich and intricate. And sometimes you can get lost in the Gospel of John. So uh, sometimes it's good to just focus in on one glorious phrase or one glorious word and think about how that word really speaks to your heart. Um, but one of the things that really stands out to me this time, and I think something that I'm going to take uh, with me today, is uh, near the end there... Uh, uh, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Th- this language of um, mutual love is related in John to this idea that uh, that uh, the, that Jesus and, and the father and the spirit are abiding in one another. He, he even says that I, I will be in the father and you will be in me and I will be in you. This notion that we actually have the privilege of participating in the life of God. I mean, that is a remarkable, remarkable statement. Hard to believe, frankly, that, that God would deign to look down on my little life right as a maybe as a i don't know as i look down on the life of an ant how how much do i really care for that ant uh, other than maybe passing curiosity not much not a lot right if i'm honest with myself and yet what we say as christians is that god has stooped down in love such that god is willing to invite us into the divine life to invite us to be part of who god is and you know, to see the world the way that God sees the world and to be privileged to be among the persons of the Trinity. I mean, that's a remarkable statement. It, it really, for me, hits hits home um, this this idea of the incarnation, that God has, God has looked favorably, so favorably on me and on you and on the world. No matter how messed up things may be or no matter how weak or insignificant I might feel, Somehow God has eyed me with grace and mercy and love in such a way that that God has seen it fit to invite me into God's own life. I mean, that's an incredible privilege. And and so, if if uh, if my faith, you know, if that speaks to my faith today, it really kind of gives me a shot in the arm, a reminder that that God's love is not just sort of this abstract thing that is kind of out there and apart from my life. But it's actually a motivating factor. The Spirit is making a point to enter into my presence to comfort me, to help me, to advocate for me, to encourage me with the Spirit of Christ uh, on a daily basis. Even when I'm feeling down in the dumps, I, I, I'll take that every day. Right. And 
we also need to remember that the Lord created each one of us and all the things that we have with us on our earth. And I think we tend to forget that sometimes, uh, Mm -hmm. that the good, bad, and the ugly are there too, you know, and we need to deal with all of them, and that goes on to what we're going to do continually um, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And there are people that and things that need to be taken care of that, um, maybe aren't the most pleasant for us to do, but it's part of loving the Lord and His plan for us. Beautiful. In our lives. I love that. Thank you. Wow, what a rich conversation. Thank you so much, Barb King and Nancy Armstrong, for being with me on the podcast this week. Uh, what was, a what a treat. Well, it was a treat for us, too, to be. I just so, wish that we could see you. Oh, uh, I know. We will. We I'm missing uh, being together so much, and, and but these verses today tell me uh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, we We're going to come out of this okay, and soon, I believe. Amen. Maybe in a different way, maybe a way that we haven't looked at in our minds, but it will work out, and we will each, you know, be able to continue with the things that is in our master plan from the Lord to do. So thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. You are a blessing to each one of us in so many ways. And uh, we appreciate you. Thank Stay you. Strong yourself. Thank you. Take I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Yeah. I, I need all the encouragement uh, that I can get too. So thank you. Um, and, and I appreciate your willingness to kind of go out on a limb and, and be part of this new project, the, the podcast. Uh, so thanks again. Well, it was a privilege today. It was fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Wonderful. And thank you all for listening. This has been Episode 9 of Together in the Word and on Pioneer and 3rd. Have a great weekend.